1: Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette.
0: Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
1: On today's show, we take on your questions on prompt party pickup, balancing grieving and celebration, ghosting your host, and hurricane etiquette.
0: Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and the second half of our PostScript segment on royal etiquette. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont, by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And we are smack dab in the middle of the Business Etiquette Train the Trainer Week.
1: Yes, we are.
0: (laughs) This is a busy week at the Emily Post Institute, but it's also one of our favorite weeks.
1: It really is. I was reminded of that yesterday. Yeah. As I was sort of reflecting (laughs) on two days into what is a week of training that – it, it does. It requires a lot of us. You have to man the office solo while Peter and I are up teaching.
0: Meanwhile, I'm prepping for next week's children's training as well as the wedding training this weekend. So, yeah, there's a lot of A lot going on. But tell me about the training. How is the business one going this year? I haven't been able to pop my head in.
1: As is so often the case with our work. (laughs) While you put a lot into it, I get so much out of it. It's really been a delight to meet a new group of people who are really invested in this material, this concept that it's important how we treat each other and who care enough about it and who want to be a part of delivering that message and they they're they're so excited interested curious it, it comes in all forms yeah. but their their level of interest is high enough that they make the trip up here to spend a week with us to figure out how they can bring this back to their communities it is Um, It's feeding me right now. I love it.
0: (laughs) I got to say, it was so much fun at the cocktail party Monday night because I got to meet one of our trainees. She is a fan of the podcast. And it was so funny Mm -hmm. because we were talking about the infamous pastry in the office question. We had so much fun talking about this because she was like, Lizzie, I almost shut you off for an entire week because you said to create a policy. And I was like, I just forget. It was such a great moment. But in my head, I was thinking, this isn't a big deal. You just kind of figure it out. You know, it's like, I guess it's a policy. And it came out as like, no, you create a policy. Like, you make this official and da, da, And I just loved her willingness to tell me that in person. Like, man, when that word came out of your mouth, I was like, no, that's ridiculous. It's over the top. A and pastry policy. I know. Like, what the heck is that? We're absurd. And I just love that kind of back and forth that can happen that she's at home having that experience. I like it when she has the happy experiences with the show more. But it was just so it was so fun to get to connect with her over that podcast moment.
1: So let me also affirm that that podcast connection has been made repeatedly over the course of the training. Yeah. And the, the the first day that we spend together, we spend a lot of time talking about consideration, respect, and honesty, yeah. the, the framework, the values-based framework that, that we think is so important that we try to employ here on the podcast. And day two was more presentation skills, thinking about messaging and how you own and deliver that message in your own unique way. So I've gotten to hear – a little bit in their own voices the way consideration respect and honesty inform their mission and sense of purpose around this material and the particular trainer that you're talking about has clearly internalized that message listening to the From podcast the has really equipped her in <laughs> in a way where she just ab- absorbs and adopts the teaching in a in a way that's really been impressive i've i've, I've enjoyed sort of continuing this dialogue that has begun over the, <laughs> the, podcast, the airwaves, over yeah. the podcast in person. It's oh, that's been a so delight. Cool.
0: That's so cool. Well, she was telling me about it at the cocktail party too, that she was like, it was so fun hearing, you know, the five step process and the three principles and everything, because I was so familiar with it from the show. Exactly. We often tell our trainees, you know, you really are part of the Emily Post family, but boy, when a podcast listener comes into that, it's like a whole other level. It's really cool.
1: Well, Onward and upward. Yeah. Two days down, (laughs) three days to go.
0: (laughs) And then next week, too.
1: (laughs) But today we've got to record this podcast. We do.
0: And I am so stoked to be here at the mic with you. So let's get to some questions. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear jerking to plot twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy.
1: Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show.
0: Our first question today is called Prompt Pickup, Please. We rented a space for the party with a dreaded bouncy house. We have the facility from 9 to 1, including setup and teardown. The party portion is slated for 10 to 12. What is a polite way for us to be sure folks depart at noon? I don't want to be rude, but also need to be sure that we have ample time for cleanup. I'm actually nervous an hour isn't sufficient. Your thoughts and suggestions are greatly appreciated. Thank you, Jessica.
1: Jessica, thank you for your question. And don't tread the bouncy house. Bouncy <laughs> houses can be fun.
0: Of all people, I did not think you would be a bouncy house guy. You like the bouncy house.
1: As a kid, I loved the bouncy, the bouncy house. house.
0: I know I'm like a trampoline, bouncy house kind of person too. It's fun.
1: Anisha's not old enough yet, yeah. but I was with uh, my brother's daughters recently, and oh, they Stella overcame Grace. their fear. And and um, Dylan, she's a daredevil. She yeah. just wanted in and wasn't tall enough, but they let her in anyway. She's bouncing <laughs> off the walls. But Stella Grace had to overcome her fear. But once once she was in, you couldn't get. (laughs) Again, again, again. (laughs) Anyway, so kudos. Good work. I I, I know it's a lot to do, (laughs) uh, but I'm sure everyone will enjoy. Back to your question. I think the first line of defense here is to include a finish time on the invitation. That's pretty standard for
0: kids parties, right?
1: Absolutely. And and for any event that has a, let's call it a hard stop, <laughs> um, <laughs> if there is a finished time that's important, let guests in on that as early as possible so that people can prepare. And so that's part of the information they're working with as well.
0: So right on the invitation, 10 to 12, that's the party. What do you think? Well, OK, I was thinking that if you really knew the, the kids coming, when people RSVP and say yes – you might want to ask them if they're looking to carpool and things like that and maybe help facilitate connecting some people to carpool. I don't know if that's too much. That might be too much. But if you're up for it, it's a game. That way you've got one person picking up like three kids. I'm thinking that's smarter. Parents chime in. Maybe it's not smarter. Maybe it ends up being that if one parent is late, then that's six kids who aren't like on their way out the door. But Or maybe it it moves people out faster. I'm not sure. It sounds good to me. I'm thinking
1: along some lines. You want to extend that discussion. A little bit. You want to start to to seed that message that the finish is going to be important, and yeah. talking about pickups yeah. <laughs> might be a way you can do that. Say, oh, we're, we're really wanting to be sure we're out of there at noon, or we lose as the facility you're coordinating a point, those yeah. carpools. It's a great time to continue to deliver that message. Keep it part of your very open communication about the event.
0: You could also invite people to come a little bit ahead of pickup time. Say, you know, we have to be out of there, you know, right at twelve. So if you know you can show up at eleven forty-five, that would be fantastic. Perfect. That kind of a thing. Um,
1: you had another idea that I, I really did. liked. What was that? talking about coordinating someone who's gonna help get people out and another oh, yeah, person yeah, yeah. who's gonna do pickup so
0: even if you are a single parent or just your partner is away and not able to help you host for this particular party grab a friend ask them to help you with the setup and the teardown that way you have that extra set of hands older siblings if you've got a teenager around <laughs> hey come on help out at your brother's birthday party get a couple people um, tasked with jobs that's the Trisha post go-to and it really does does work So that right at that 12, you know, maybe older kid or another friend or another parent knows that they can start pulling trash. Someone else can start deflating the bouncy house. Things like that can really help facilitate things. And if other parents offer to help, by the way, feel free to take them up on that.
1: Good idea. I'm also thinking date of the party. Yeah. When the party's happening, start to plan some buffer time into the end of the party so that you, as a host, start to play that role of wrapping things up, doing maybe their little parting gifts or favors that people are going to get, start handing those out 15 minutes before that noon stops. So that yes. whatever the cues and signals are that this is winding down, wrapping up, everyone's pouring out of the bouncy house. We need to get <laughs> shoes and whatever in Vermont, maybe jackets, on, whatever it is that, that you start that process with enough time. Think about that buffer. It sounds like you already are. Yeah. And, I think you're going to be in pretty good shape here.
0: The one thing that I I would want to stress, though, is to make sure that you aren't so focused on the cleanup that all of a sudden, as, as a host, we've really abandoned the goodbye. I wouldn't want to have like 12 children lined up, coats on, party bags in hand, ready to go sitting there watching you clean up, you know, and I don't envision that happening. That would be the extreme. But but do make sure that that your child is ready to keep talking with uh, his or her friends as they are getting ready to go, just so that, that it doesn't feel like you're just a- abandoning your guests to immediately clean up. That would be one of the etiquette angles to look out for.
1: Prepare well, plan ahead, and that allows your mood to continue to set the tone for the party.
0: And have fun. Get a good bounce in.
1: Yeah, don't forget to well, sometimes they don't allow the big kids in the bouncy.
0: Really? House. <laughs> oh man. Well, let's bounce into the next question. Gosh, the puns <laughs> are <awesome>. terrible today. <laughs> Hello from
1: Toronto. I discovered Awesome Etiquette only this summer, but it's quickly become one of my favorites. I'm heading into the archives. I was listening to episode 145 and had a question about your postscript segment on leaving a party. The etiquette has always been to say goodbye to the host and to everyone, if it's a close group, when guests are leaving an event. However, I remember reading a blog recently from someone who had hosted a party and found the second half for her and her husband was marked by a series of goodbyes. She noted that it put a mild damper on her experience of the event because half of the party was marked by people leaving conspicuously. Having read about it somewhere else, this host, at her next event, used what she called ghosting, leaving without saying anything and following up the next day to say thank you. Given that part of the pleasure of hosting is enjoying your own event, I wondered what you thought about this alternate method of leaving that is informed by a different sense of consideration." It allows all guests to truly stay in the moment during the event, and any follow-ups can happen over email or the phone in the days after. Thank you for bringing etiquette into the modern age and for inspiring a new generation to conduct their affairs with consideration, respect, and honesty. Cheers, Amy.
0: This is so fascinating. I can totally understand not wanting to have a lot of very conspicuous goodbyes take up your time to enjoy your own party. It's a fair point. Mm Um, I think it's only a concern for certain types of parties, because if you think about a dinner party, the timing of that, there's a pretty clear goodbye time. And you've probably spent a lot of good quality time with your guests enjoying the party, especially all through dinner. People aren't getting up and leaving during that. So I would venture to guess that the type of party Amy's friend was referring to was more of a bigger cocktail, maybe an afternoon barbecue type thing. People can come and go, open house maybe. There's more
1: people there. A lot lot more people. It's not six or eight people at a dinner.
0: You really have to change your expectations depending on the type of party that you're throwing. If you're inviting guests to come and go throughout the party, there's going to be a lot of conspicuous hellos and goodbyes. Halfway through the party, you might have to say hello to one person as you say goodbye to another. So I think it's very circumstantial. I'm not really down with the idea of just leaving a party and the next day saying, hey, by the way, great time. It really just doesn't sit well from an etiquette perspective. I'm sorry. I I just I've got to lay that out there. It's really awkward to just have guests disappear. Oh, is Karen still here? I don't know. Oh, why are people? I don't. I, it just it feels very awkward to me.
1: I'm kind of with you. Yeah. Not just kind of with you. I'm definitely with you on yeah. this one. I would start by acknowledging I like this idea of this consideration. This idea of being informed by a different sense of consideration. That there's that maybe this would be a way to show consideration to your host and. It, yeah. putting myself in the the position of that host. I'm imagining a situation where my party's dissolving around me, where people are just slipping away, yeah. and I don't know if I feel any better about it. I don't. It.
0: <laughs> I'm a little socially insecure, so <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that I don't think that's. And that's me. I'm giving my perspective here, yeah, and really, it, it, yeah. it, it, it speaks to me to a larger problem of people, like you say, maybe it's the kind of event where people come and go, and yeah. that's part of the way you have to understand your role as a host. Or if I'm thinking about being a guest and playing my role as a guest, well. I'm thinking about that goodbye being well timed, being yeah. discreet, not being all about me and my grand departure, but really being about a brief and quality connection with the host, thanking yeah. them for having me. And as you say, sort of giving them some sense that, that no, I'm not there, so it's not oh well, <laughs> let me introduce you to
0: Oh wait, Jim left. <laughs> oops, <laughs> or I
1: wanted to talk to him or I wanted to mention or whatever it might be, yeah. that, that there is just a basic consideration around checking in with your host as you leave. I also think that the use of the word ghosting here, it, it, this term is growing in terms of how it's applied, because if you're calling the next day, you're not really ghosting. You're not just disappearing into yeah, the ether. Yeah, ghosting
0: is really disappear. It's absolutely disappearing on somebody. You,
1: yeah. You've ghosted the party, but there is an attempt here to salvage the relationship. And, and I feel that sense of consideration for the host. I, I hear where this question is Coming from, but I think a brief, quick—it doesn't need to be elaborate or dramatic—goodbye is is a good thing for a guest to to be thinking about doing. And I wouldn't abandon it completely.
0: I'm upholding it. I'm with you, cuz I liked all your points, Amy. There you go. That's our opinion on it so far. Is that yeah? We think it's still a good idea to connect with your host and do be considerate. Try not to take up too much of their time in doing so. And when you're invited to a party, practice the skills of a good guest. Leave on time and courteously, too, thanking your hosts sincerely for the good time you've had.
1: This question is about balance during grieving. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love your podcast, and I've been listening since the beginning. In fact, I'm listening right now. (laughs) I have an etiquette question that seems a bit delicate, but I'm sure you will be able to help. My mom recently passed away after a battle with cancer. She was not sick for long. We were able to spend time together as a family. And in the end, things were as good as they could have been. Now, here comes the delicate part. She passed away two days before my 50th birthday, and the funeral was actually on my birthday. I was going to have a party that I canceled when her health took a turn for the worse about a week before my birthday. Because of that, my close family and friends that are local knew what happened and showed the best etiquette for the situation. My question is this. How do I deal with all the birthday wishes from people who are not aware of the situation? I got birthday wishes through Facebook and cards in the mail. Normally, I would reach out to these far-off friends and thank them for the birthday wishes, but it seems strange to say thank you without talking about the loss of my what mom. Do you think? What is, what is the best way to handle this situation? Yours, Michelle.
0: Michelle, we are so sorry for your loss, although I'm very glad to hear that as a family you said it was as good as it could be. That's a wonderful way to be able to reflect on it. But we are also very happy for your 50th birthday, and we'd love to wish you a big happy 50th birthday especially from everybody here at Awesome Etiquette. Um, I think that in this situation, you can go with what feels right to you each time, and it might be different. You can absolutely say thank you and acknowledge the the birthday wishes. You know, a lot of people post that, that post to Facebook that says, thank you for all the birthday wishes. That's perfectly acceptable. Find times where you feel like it's okay to engage maybe you you do run into an old friend who says oh my gosh i realized it was your 50th birthday a few uh, weeks ago you know how was it did you have fun you could say thank you so much for remembering it actually it's kind of a tough time this year my mom passed and you know we're just kind of moving through everything right now and it's it's fine to express it in those moments where you feel comfortable doing so and other times you hold it back When we're grieving, we don't always engage with our grief every single interaction that we have. Sometimes we feel like we need to to spread the word. You also get to take a break from spreading the word if you want. That's okay, too. And from an etiquette perspective, you just don't have to go into everything every time or the first time that you see someone. You get to choose. I really want to put that in your your hands from an etiquette side of things.
1: I had had a thought that had been developing in my mind when I first read this question that I wanted to ask you about, and oh, yeah? that was about if there was a deviation from your usual routine. I want to call it routine, oh, like but the... you
0: a big birthday celebration person, and then this year on a fiftieth, she just didn't exactly, yeah.
1: or or if there was somebody who had sent a gift that you just hadn't for whatever reason it had just been too much. It wasn't something that you were able to deal with at the time in the way that you usually would. Mm-hmm. That thank you came to what in your mind would be late. We talk about late thank yous and and that can mean different things for different people. But if in your mind that felt late, whether you would offer a little explanation or talk a little bit about the reason for it, not to excuse yourself, but really just... And and you answered it in your sample script. I think as it comes up naturally, I think it's a reasonable thing to mention, to talk about. But I don't think you should feel compelled or obligated either. I I Actually, really liked your sample script. I thought that was a, (laughs) a really appropriate dosage in terms of how you might Bring that up or acknowledge that difficulty around something that's also celebratory and and worth celebrating. Yeah.
0: Michelle, we hope that that helps and we hope that that you and your family are really comforted by your friends and the rest of your family right now. Our next question is a first for me and it's called Hurricane Etiquette. First for you too, Dan?
1: This would be a first.
0: Okay. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I am writing from Tampa, Florida, two days after Hurricane Irma passed through town. We missed the worst of it and are thankful, but it was a close call and our community was quite busy preparing for it days beforehand. During this tense time, my family and many friends expressed they were constantly being updated with the storm's strength and path, survival tips and questions from concerned relatives and friends, close and otherwise, from far and wide. The response was obviously out of love and concern but really felt overwhelming and at times added to the anxiety. How is it best to communicate to others who see that your community is in the face of a potential disastrous event, that their concern is welcome, but their constant calls and text messages are not? Thank you kindly for your consideration of this question and your ever enlightening podcast. I enjoy listening weekly and improving my ability to use consideration, respect and honesty most effectively in my daily interactions with others and myself. Regards, Sarah. Great question.
1: I know. And I I like the way Sarah ends talking about treating herself with consideration, respect and honesty as well as others.
0: Love it. Love it. Um, We are very glad you are safe Um, And that that you and your neighbors are okay, But I think this is a real question. People are they are busy prepping. They are nervous and anxious themselves. And of course, their loved ones are. I love that she recognizes the intention behind Mm -hmm. all these messages. And by the way, that is so key when communicating to someone, Um, letting them know that their intention is incredibly valid and appreciated. Um, is great. Helping them to then communicate it or interact with you in the best way is like a separate piece that you, you can work on. And it absolutely is. <laughs> what do you is. think? Because
1: this made me think about a, a- An etiquette question I was asked personally (laughs) recently Mm -hmm. by a friend and neighbor who had gone through a very difficult health scare and was in the hospital fighting for his life Mm -hmm. and there were family members who were coming trying to help and he was in more pain and more distress he'd ever been in his life and he just wanted people to go away. He was there with his wife. He appreciated why these people were wanting to be there and wanting to support him, but he also couldn't accept it and yeah. didn't need it at the time. and Had what
0: he needed and just needed to plow through.
1: And he wanted to ask me, what did you do? How do you tell people that yeah. yes, but no? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not exactly the same situation, but it's there, there's a, a related sort of thought in that it's important to set good boundaries so people know how to help you. They want to help. They want to participate well. And it's up to you to let them know. And you recognize their good intentions You recognize the place of care and concern and a willingness to help that this is coming from. Mm -hmm. And even if it is hard for you at the moment or it's creating more difficulty than it's actually helping, that you don't respond with rudeness, that you set those boundaries clearly, and that you also do remember the good intentions of those people that are trying. And and, and that can be difficult particularly when you're in a very stressful and hard time. But you, you do your best and those are the moments where you get to shine.
0: First of all, you can organize your friends and family that are out of state, that are out of harm's way. You can send a message to, let's say, your parents or your siblings saying, please contact the rest of the family. Let them know we are okay that right now we need our phones clear to be able to communicate with each other so if they don't mind holding off on messages, we'll get in touch with you guys when we're ready and you can then pass the message on, right? There's certainly, you can set up the phone tree, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is to do exactly what Dan and I have been saying, which is (laughs) to say, thank you so much for your concern. Uh, We are all okay right now. We have a plan in place. The info that we need is coming to us, so we're feeling good about things and just need to focus on plowing through on getting through this right now. And I think that that's best you can do is just let them know thank you for the concern. Here's our plan so that you know we're okay and and we're on it. And now we've got to keep the phone lines clear.
1: I like it. My follow up thought is that There is that moment when the crisis is over or hopefully things have passed and it's time to open those lines of communication again. And that's where you send out that message and you let people know we are so relieved that we are now able to get power and plug our phone back in (laughs) and really looking forward to to hearing from you again or whatever it is that that, that lets people know that – Okay, the boundary's been set, and now we're going to readjust that boundary again when it's over. Sarah, thank you for this question. We hope our answer helps and our thoughts are with you and everyone who's been affected by the weather this difficult hurricane season.
0: To get the best use out of party line service, this means giving up the line promptly for an emergency call, avoiding lengthy conversations, asking for the line only in a real emergency, and then explaining why.
1: And you better hang up, Peggy. Someone may want to use the line.
0: Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates and comments to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome so we know you want your question on the show.
1: Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. We had three great pieces of feedback from Facebook regarding the Clean Plate Club debate.
0: I just love that all three of them were on it. So I was like, we're going for it. It's a Facebook feedback segment. Dale wrote in and said, my great aunts, who were young adults in the 1930s, encouraged us to leave food just a little when visiting. As I understood it, this was meant to convey that you were not starving, that you were doing okay. So a bit the opposite of what Dan said. My mother, though, always thought it was rude to leave this little bit of food without mopping up all the sauce. (laughs) I'm with her. (laughs) Get all that sauce up.
1: Josh said, I tweeted at Lizzie, but thought I would elaborate a bit here. I have always heard of leaving a small bite of food on the plate when talking about Chinese customs. As part of the host guest dance, it told the host that you could not eat another bite. A clean plate would be refilled, but might suggest that either the host was not generous or the guest was gluttonous. Though in Japan and India, cleaning a plate is polite. In Japanese, there is a word for the regret you feel when something is wasted, and I'm going to do my best at this, matainai.
0: I'm hoping that was nice work. Not knowing Japanese, I have no idea. (laughs) Josh, thank you so much. I love the elaboration. Lisa also wrote in saying, regarding the anti-clean plate club mentioned in yesterday's podcast, I've definitely heard that as being part of Chinese culture. Not having enough food is seen as a failing of the dinner host to provide enough. And a clean plate means you could have eaten more if there was more to eat.
1: I'm intrigued by how much interest there is in this Clean Plate Club question. And I was digging through the 1922 edition of Etiquette, and I I found a couple of things there that I'm looking forward to bringing back in a future show.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it.
1: Totally chimed in regarding unfriending ex-in-laws. I just have some feedback on your latest episode. Regarding unfriending people on Facebook, I think it's a really tricky issue. I would err on the side of if the sister doesn't want to see things from the family, she can just block them. That way, even if they comment on things on your feed, she won't see them. The only time that that doesn't really work is if they have a high overlap of friendship groups and she still wants to be able to check who else is attending events so that she can prepare herself for the possibility that they will be there. Mm. Also, regarding being asked to pay to attend catered parties, I don't think that it is rude. Maybe it's a regional or generational thing, but I would consider it the equivalent of being invited to dinner at a restaurant where everyone would pay for themselves. I think the more gracious way for the host to handle that, though, is to ask for donations towards the party in lieu of gifts. Tolly concludes, I also loved the advice about setting up in advance the time you expect guests to take when making toasts. There are definitely people that won't pick up on social cues and hints, but will really appreciate being told outright what the expectation is. Thanks for all your hard work, and I hope this is the right place to submit my comments.
0: Definitely the right place, and we appreciate them all. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your question or update to etiquette at emilypost.com or program this number into your phone. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
1: And now it's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is a continuation of our Postscript from last week where we look at royal etiquette.
0: So this wonderful article comes from L.com, and it was the uh, 50 strict rules the royal family has to follow. And we got through 1 through 25 and we ended with at 6 p.m. hats are off and tiaras are on. And this is now number 26.
1: 'Cause that's not the end of the story. Tiaras are reserved for married women.
0: Oh man, I don't get a tiara till I get hitched.
1: What a bummer.
0: I really I'm saying man well, I'm not royal, so I guess it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> we gotta get pooed to tiara. You know, it's it's not just whether they're on or off or whether you're married or not. Tiaras must also be angled properly, and that is number twenty seven. Although tiaras were traditionally worn towards the front of the head, the modern style is worn farther back on the head at a 45-degree angle.
1: Very flattering. <laughs> Number 28, the queen's breakfast menu is non-negotiable. Every morning, the queen has English breakfast tea followed by cornflakes.
0: <laughs> I like it.
1: I would expect the tea, English breakfast, of
0: course. Cornflakes are a surprise. <laughs> Number 29, the family must accept gifts. The family is required to graciously accept the many and bizarre gifts they are given on a regular basis.
1: I really like this one. I think everyone can take note. Receiving gifts well is an important part of etiquette for everyone.
0: Absolutely. What's number 30?
1: The queen insists on spending a week preparing for Christmas.
0: Yes, the family's annual Christmas celebration is held at the Queen's Sandringham Estate in Norfolk, and she arrives a week early to prepare. To our British listeners, we really hope our pronunciation was okay.
1: Number 31, the family doesn't open presents on Christmas Day. Instead of opening presents on Christmas Day, the royal family exchanges gifts in the red drawing room during tea time on Christmas Eve.
0: Oh, okay, so they still exchange gifts.
1: Honor a family tradition.
0: not sure that that planning the family Christmas counts as a rule, like a strict rule. All right. But number 32, garlic isn't allowed at Buckingham Palace. It's rumored, okay, so this one's rumored, that the queen hates garlic. So no, uh, excuse me, let's correct that. The queen strongly dislikes garlic. So no dishes at Buckingham Palace are made with the ingredient. That, I would have trouble with that. I I love the garlic.
1: Garlic lover here too, yeah. but I do like the idea that the host is allowed a certain latitude in terms of how they conduct themselves and set the stage.
0: I agree completely. Although I admit I will serve my guests cilantro even though I absolutely detest. Other taste
1: preferences of the queen include potatoes, rice, and pasta, none of which she likes.
0: Wow, and they're 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 not allowed to serve it for dinner. So that means no <gasps> Wow. That's a lot of meals that I eat gone.
1: Well, at least when you're dining <laughs> with the queen.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love how I'm comparing all of these to me and my life as if it matters.
1: <laughs> Number 34. The family is expected to learn multiple languages. Prince George has already learned to count in Spanish.
0: Uno, dos, tres. I love it. 35. A clean-cut, put-together image is key. Maybe that's why Kate gets a blowout three times a week. Her hair always looks fabulous.
1: Unbelievable. It's a great picture of her here. I like the attention to appearance. It's an important part of good etiquette.
0: How you get along with me, I don't know.
1: It's not so difficult. Number 36, you can't turn your back on the queen. After a conversation with the queen has ended, she's the first to leave. No one is allowed to turn their back to her.
0: I think that makes sense. I think that's that's perfect for a queen. Noted. Number thirty-seven, even the children are expected to be graceful. As soon as children are born into the royal family, they're immediately groomed to both wave and speak gracefully.
1: A lot of pressure.
0: That's a lot of pressure. You gotta get that wave down.
1: Anisha's starting to wave. I love it so much. It's a delight. <laughs> Number 38, the queen's wardrobe must be bright. The queen is known for her bright neon-colored outfits, as she likes to make sure she can be easily spotted in large crowds.
0: I always thought that was a particularly good point of etiquette, like that she uses that as a consideration to make sure that, you know, that her people can actually see her and get a good look. I just thought that was a thought, actually a really thoughtful consideration on her behalf. Number 39. Women are expected to sit a certain way. The options are legs crossed at the knee or the ankle. I'm not sure where else you would cross them, but, you know, you do need to at least have something crossed, apparently.
1: (laughs) Probably depends on the length of skirt or dress, I'm imagining.
0: I would imagine or comfort, maybe.
1: If the queen moves her purse to her right arm, her staff must cut off her conversation. The queen uses her purse to send subtle signals to her staff. If she moves the purse from her left arm to her right, it's her hint that she's ready to finish her conversation.
0: Oh, that's fascinating.
1: Are we allowed to know that particular cue?
0: I don't know. Should we move that, like, into American etiquette customs? It's just like, <laughs> what would be the male equivalent? Like,
1: Hand in one pocket, hand in the other.
0: Oh, I like it. <laughs> Number 41. And when she places her purse on a table, dinner is officially over. If the queen is at dinner and she puts her purse on the table, dinner needs to come to an end within five minutes. So these are more signals rather than rules. They're like signals for her staff around her.
1: Number 42, cleavage isn't a part of the royal dress code. Diana used her clutches as a way to hide her cleavage when exiting a car.
0: It seems like they could wear dresses that had cleavage, but when being photographed or moved around, you kind of strategically hid your cleavage. That's fascinating. Very modest. Yes. Number 43, nicknames are completely forbidden. Even though the press still uses Kate's nickname, Kate, she actually goes by Catherine.
1: Again, noted. Utensil placement is very important. If the royals need to exit the room during dinner but haven't finished their food, they cross their utensils so the staff doesn't remove their plate. If they're finished with a meal, they place the utensils at an angle with the handles to the bottom right of the plate.
0: Sounds familiar. It
1: sure does.
0: (laughs) Number 45. As is teacup holding. The royal family members pinch the teacup handle with their index finger and thumb while their middle finger secures the bottom. It looks quite elegant. <laughs>
1: I hear it. And that means no flagged pinkies. Yes, Chin placement isn't overlooked either. Royal women need to pose with their chin parallel to the ground. I would
0: love it if anyone could tell us why that is. Like, where did that rule come from? Is it so you don't look like your nose is up in the air or is it so that you're not double chinning yourself? I mean, what what's the deal here? I hadn't thought Parallel about the, the,
1: the, 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 the she walks around with her nose up in the air thing. I That's an know. interesting thought. I've been teaching presentation skills, <laughs> so it's, it's a way to be direct, to address your audience, to balance your head on top yeah, of your spine.
0: That makes sense to me. Maybe it's just for posture. Maybe you don't want them to look down on people, and that, I think that makes sense, too.
1: Very clever.
0: Someone please weigh in about this one.
1: 47. The queen isn't required to have a driver's license. The queen is the only person in the U.K. who may drive without a license or plates.
0: She has a lovely smile in the photo next to this one. I'm like, it looks a little, a little mischievous. I was
1: going to say grandfathered in, but maybe in this case, grandmothered in.
0: (laughs) Number 48, the Queen's dogs are always prepared gourmet meals. It's no secret that the Queen loves her corgis, but unlike your pets, hers are required to eat gourmet meals prepared daily by an in-house chef and hand delivered by a footman. Now, that's an interesting fact, but in terms of strict royal life, I don't know, man.
1: It's a dog's life. And they're never reprimanded. The queen lets her corgis do as they please.
0: Oh, fascinating. I'm not
1: going to adopt this one.
0: (laughs) No. Finally, number 50. Prince Philip is required to walk behind the queen. I have heard this one before. Since their marriage, Philip must walk a few steps behind the queen at all times.
1: This is where I get to reference that delightful series, The Crown, where this is addressed with Philip as a young man. I want to thank our listeners for bringing us L Magazine's Royal Etiquette. This has been so much fun.
0: Just something a little different, something a little lighter. We hope that you've enjoyed it. Please weigh in with any customs from other countries that you know of. We always love hearing them. Um, I'm saving a few that have been sent throughout the years for next year's New Year's. Uh, we've gotten a couple a couple from that. So please, please weigh in. Um, and thank you so, so much for submitting this as a fun PostScript segment.
1: We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms.
0: And today's comes from our friend Werner in Germany. Dear Lizzie and Dan, hello again from Germany. Dan, I'm glad to hear little Anisha is well and that whatever caused you to fear for her health and well-being seems to have been able to be resolved. Lizzie, I hope you're enjoying your vacation and maybe you are even still enjoying it I so wish I was, it was months ago at this point.
1: But it's a nice thought It
0: is a nice thought. Today I'm writing to you with an etiquette salute to a young woman on the train. Very recently on my daily commute, due to whatever reason the train I was taking, which usually consists of two to three cars had only one car this time Needless to say, it pretty soon got very crowded and not only was every seat taken, but people were standing in the aisle between the seats as well. Since I entered the train on one of the first stops, I still got a seat, as did the young woman sitting next to me. This woman in the red shirt, which I'd like to salute, seemed to be wholly immersed in the show she was watching with her headphones on her cell phone. Nevertheless, at one of the later stations, where the train already was pretty crowded, two older women got on the train, one with a cane, who obviously had trouble walking. Before I even noticed them or anyone else near the doors of the train reacted to them, the woman in the red shirt watching her show asked me to save her seat, walked through half the train car stuffed full of people up to the lady with the cane, offered her saved seat to her and even accompanied the two of them back there. Of course, I gave up my seat as well to the two ladies so they could sit together. And they repeatedly thanked us for our kindness. The young woman assured them it was her pleasure, as did I. I felt a little embarrassed since I did not spot them at first. I did make a mental note to myself to in the future try hard to be more attentive to things happening farther across the train as well. Going out of her way to help that older woman, the woman in the red shirt, was really an inspiration to me and to probably many other passengers that day. I think she absolutely deserves an etiquette salute. Please give my best to Pooja and to all the rest of the post-post-sending family engaged in your wonderful podcast. Yours sincerely, Werner.
1: Werner, thank you so much for that etiquette salute. I love it. (laughs) It's one of those simple gestures that really can make an impact. And I love the lesson that you take from it, that – You're encouraging yourself to be more aware, to extend that sphere of consideration just a little bit further and to try to make a positive impact.
0: I love that it's not going to happen every time that the person watching the show or with their headphones on is actually paying attention to everything going on. But I love the fact that there's room for that in our world, too.
1: Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post.
0: And I'm at Lizzie A. Post.
1: On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. You can help us out. If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Chris.